This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. I'm here today with uh, with Brian Chittister of OpenText, and uh, Brian's a first time guest. But uh, uh, you know, kind of long overdue because I've known him now for about six years. Brian, uh, to start with a little background here, because we we met when you were at uh, then Imix, soon to be Arrow Imix. Correct. Uh, I mean, it's been a little while, and thanks for having me on the show. Back when we were starting the the IT summit that Imix Group puts on annually, uh, I remember Alan Rubin introduced us, and uh, it's been a good friendship. and uh, And I love reading your stuff, listening to your stuff. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, Imix did a lot of things really well, the, the summit, number one. But one of the things that you may not have known when Alan introduced us is I was I was kind of already familiar with your work because you were on the blog. I was. Uh, it, and honestly, as a marketer, it's always a good thing to be able to sharpen your skills. And uh, the blog for me was, I mean, its true purpose was for our customers to be able to access it and get more information on how best to do business with the government, how marketers could do better marketing to the government. But for me, it was always a good reminder on going back to fundamentals. I could take a look at things that um, maybe I'm doing on a daily basis that have become involuntary, and I could break it down and uh, just get better at it just by thinking through it. Um, so I, I appreciated that. And uh, You did that three part thing on the basics. Yeah, the the ABCs of government marketing, which I, I know I mentioned is long overdue for a refresh, I'm sure, because uh, the market moves so quickly. But yeah, it, it allows you to break things down, um, really better your skills. And um, I appreciated that. And I got, I got feedback uh, like you're just giving right now. I know um, I worked with so many customers when I was at, at Mix Group, and they always appreciated uh, uh, some of the information I could provide. Because some of the customers were just dabbling into government marketing and government sales and really didn't understand the market. So I think at that point, anything they could get their hands on um, was great. And especially for marketers, sometimes they felt uh, forgotten about. So I was glad to be able to talk to them. Yeah. You know, my first book, Government Marketing Best Practices, did not break any new ground, but it, it simply discussed what works in this market. And it was amazing because, you know, people who'd been doing this longer than I had were reading it and saying, you know, thank you for reminding me of, you know, these little building blocks here because sometimes we forget. Oh, absolutely. But but you're right. You know, there's a lot of information out there. I appreciate that particular blog because I've read I've read a lot of stuff on I won't even pretend to say I read it, you know, every time. But every time I read it. It's valid information, and that's key. You've got to be a trusted source if you're going to do this stuff. Oh, I mean, if if you're not, nobody's coming back, and, and you're not going to be able to have the type of conversations you want to have. And that's that, to me, especially in my role now, um, when I'm meeting with customers, but even when I was at Imix Group, if I'm meeting with customers and if they've read some of my stuff, they need to be able to look at that and say, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. I can trust what he's saying and have those conversations. Yeah. You're right. So I, I, I want to migrate through your uh, – your. I mean, you st- you were at IHS before Emix. 
mm-hmm. um, and IHS has been part of the market forever. So you, you probably picked up a, a fair amount of knowledge there. But from IMIX, you went to Monster. Was was there a particular reason to to go to Monster at that time? Sure. So I working with IMIX Group for a while and uh, with Alan and Rita there, and you work with so many customers and. Um, while it's great, it really diversifies you. And when I was there, one of, one of my specializations was the cybersecurity portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, but you work with so many customers that you can only really go so deep uh, before they take it and say thank you and they, they run with it. And for me, it kind of – I wanted to scratch that itch and get back into, okay, I want to I run uh, a full-on marketing program. And Monster came calling. Um, the opportunity was there, and and I took it, and I'm glad I did. Um, it gave me a wealth of knowledge, especially within human capital management, um, which is uh, a major component within within government now, and always will be. Well, um, on both sides, too. I, correct, yeah. correct. So yeah, it was really just being able to uh, dive deeper into full on um, marketing as opposed to just being uh, a consultant per se. Okay. Now, and and then you went to Appian. Yeah, that. So uh, a guy I worked with at Imix Group um, on the cyber sales side, I uh, was at Appian, and um, a lot of people probably know Appian because they're they're growing like crazy, um, and they're, they're doing well. and they're doing yeah. a great job. Um, and uh, he he gave me a call and said, "Hey, we're looking for somebody to come over and and run our industry marketing for public sector, and wanted me to take a look at it." And I kind of fought him off a little bit because I wasn't sure the role was right for me, but um, eventually. Took a look and and he was right. So um, I I moved over to Appian and uh, I'm glad I did. Uh, they have a great team over there. Okay, and finally Open Text. Finally Open Text. Uh, sim- similar story. Um, I was at App- Appian for about two years and uh, Open Text uh, came calling and the role itself was a little bit different. It's kind of a hybrid role and that that was attractive to me. It's it kind of straddles sales and marketing. Um, so you get the best of both worlds. Principal industry analyst. Yeah. So it it, it forces me, and and I, my boss will tell you this. I I ha- we were having these conversations, and um, for, for one thing, my role is global. So uh, when I was at Appian, uh, I I focused probably ninety percent of my time on the U.S. federal market. Mm-hmm. Um, did a little bit in Canada, a little bit in Australia, a little bit in the U.K., but but primarily U.S. Fed. And the open text role is very much global, um, and they have a large footprint there. And um, that was there's a little bit of apprehension there, and I, I talked to her about that, and I didn't necessarily have uh, the knowledge um, and background globally that I did within the U.S. federal. And uh, and I said I, I know I could get there, but I'm just I was honest with her, and um, but she she took a chance on me, and I feel like it's been really good. Um, I get a good understanding of what's happening. It's actually really helped. I spend probably 50% of my time with our U.S. federal team, um, and I think my understanding of globally what's going on has really helped my ability to uh, talk to the customers here um, about some of the things happening to really solidify our narrative. Yeah, um, should clarify here. It, it is a principal industry strategist for public sector, but it's public sector worldwide. Yes, so. exactly. Yep. So you're not doing commercial. Not doing commercial. Um, some A&D, I've actually had... Uh, I've met with some of our sales folks and some uh, some partners around uh, around aerospace and defense, supply chain, things like that. But um, yeah, mostly public sector. Okay. Now, overall, and I don't know that I've asked anybody this question on the show in 14 years. 
Was there anything particular about this market that attracted you to begin with? Yeah. Um, everybody tells me how hard it is, and it is. Uh, I mean, I mean, no one's going to tell you their short sales cycles and everything. And my, uh, I grew up in sports. I grew up competitive. I, I, I don't like to lose. Um, and I always love a challenge. And that's, that was one of the things that really attracted me to the market is, um, there are parameters you have to play within and Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a hard game, but if you roll your sleeves up, you can be successful. And, uh, and I've enjoyed that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, people, I mean, tell me what you think here. People always say because of the sales cycles, because, uh, there's so many rules around it. I've heard this from companies, especially when I was at Emix, uh, that they didn't necessarily want to dive into the government. Uh, the government sector, and I look at it as they're telling you where the money is. They're telling you where the budgets are, and and then you know the rules. Just go after the business. Yeah. Um, well, for for a lot of the companies that Emix dealt with, and and you know you you know this from having worked for a couple of different vendors. Now, if you don't want to do it yourself, you find a partner. Mm-hmm. And if you're an OEM, hardware, software doesn't really matter. Uh, you probably shouldn't be selling direct anyway Mm -hmm. um, because it is a radically different uh, market than commercial, certainly more so with, with, uh, with B2C. Um, So why, why go set up that infrastructure when for, you know, seeding some margin playing, playing with a company, you know, like a Kerasoft, an Emix, a, a DLT, mm-hmm. uh, one of the the you know larger aggregators of of uh, of IT um, for the market, um, and you know that's that's why ultimately you know Tech Data bought DLT and Arrow bought Emix, so. and that and you touched on that. That's a large part of kind of my job is working with partners and um, enabling, and not even just the way you look at traditional partners. So we still, we still do business with Emix, um, especially on the security side. Um, but we have, uh, we have several partners we work with like SAP, uh, like Google, um, where I do a fair amount of enablement, uh, to their sales, their, their federal sales teams as well. Um, so it, I mentioned my role is a little bit of a hybrid. It really is. I, I, I dive deep with partners. Um, I, uh, and, and kind of solidify those relationships, help them understand our messaging to the market um, and oftentimes we'll meet with customers with them. Um, so it's, I think in doing that, it's really enhanced my understanding of, of the narrative more so uh, than I had before. Okay. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Ryan Chittister of OpenText, where he is the principal industry strategist for public sector worldwide. Back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with Brian Chittister. Uh, again, first time guest. Uh, we we've run across each other multiple times in the six or seven years we've we've known one another, and it's usually in those those large uh, networking type things. I, I definitely see you at the Government IT Sales Summit. I see you at the Gain Conference. So. In the Government Marketing University scenario, you volunteer to be one of the mentors. So let's talk a little bit about mentoring in in our market. Number one, what why'd you volunteer? First of all, the Government Marketing University is a great program that's been set up. I know Luann's done a great job building that out, and I wanted to get more involved and just 
going to conferences and, and things like that. But two, um, I've had so many great bosses and mentors over my career. Alan Rubin, one that, that we're good friends with, Rita Walston, another. And uh, I wanted to be able to take some of the things that I know they've taught me and, and ingrained and instilled in me and, and be able to give that back. But at the same time, um, I pride myself in always being a student of uh, whatever I'm passionate about. Um, so anything that they could also teach me, I'd want to be able to pick up too. I joke around with my wife. Social media wasn't even really around when I was in college. But now if you don't understand social media, it's hard to really do our job. LinkedIn, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Good luck with the you know, snail mail era. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so if, if, all, if I took only what I learned in college and tried to do what I'm doing today, I, would, I wouldn't be successful. And um, you look at folks coming out that are – uh, that might be younger and, and have a better understanding of some of the newer um, newer platforms and ways to reach folks. Um, and some of them are worthwhile to explore, some of them maybe not, but um, being able to learn from them and new techniques that, that they're trying out too is, is also fun, so very bi-directional. But um, I was excited to be able to join the program. Yeah, Christina Morrison uh, pointed out to me that uh, she has a, a millennial mentor somebody who teaches her about all of this new social platform. It's a good stuff. idea. So, yeah, I mean, but, you know, Christina is is a perpetual student of the market as well. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, on on the mentor side, you know, um, I, I've been doing this a while. I, I never looked at myself as a mentor until one of one of my friends, who used to call me occasionally, and, you know, we'd, we'd brainstorm. But when he was leaving here and going to work in Chicago for Leo Burnett, he called to say, you know, I want to thank you for being my mentor. And this goes back 25 years. But, you know, from from my perspective, working with people like Alan and Rita and Christina and you, you know, I see this as a mutually collaborative situation where, you know, simply, you know, the government market university scenario, right? You know, you walk in that room and it's all the marketing people in our market, not all, but, you hmm. know, a lot of them. Uh, the brain trust is there, so you can almost learn by osmosis. Yeah, I um, I completely agree, and I, I also I also think too, uh, touch on as I've gone through my career, I think you also you learn things <laughs> from bosses where you're thinking, you know what, I'm not going to do that in the future. Um, you might not be my mentor, but you're still teaching me things um, that I'm not going to do. Uh, but uh, the anti mentor, yeah, the anti mentor. <laughs> Um, but but you're absolutely right, and it was uh, about a month or so ago. Um, it was good to reconnect with Alan. I hadn't seen him for a little while. We stay in contact um, a little bit as much as we can. But rumor and innuendo, exactly. And uh, uh, but it, it it's been nice now because um, Alan Alan was uh, was head of the marketing department. I was at Imix Group, and it was a different relationship when I came on. And um, it, but showed up, and and he and I were connecting because we were on a panel together. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool how those things come together. And, um, at the time when he was my boss, I, I wasn't a dad and now I'm, now I'm a dad and having conversations about that. So it's, it's very, it's very nice when, when relationships like that change. And I mentioned you before, Rita, I still have a relationship with Rita. I saw her at Reston Townsend, ran across the street, had to give her a hug. Um, and things like that, that I appreciate most from them. It's those type of relationships. It's but but you know you also know especially you know I'll do this with with Ruben um, when he writes something I call and say you know where'd this come from man this is great yeah um, you know I want to pick his brain mm-hmm. from my perspective he doesn't write enough 
but maybe it's because things are germinating longer. Well, it's probably because he doesn't have the time. To. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he's got the the band. He's got the family. Yeah. He's got the job. Kid in uh, college now. Yeah. So yeah. you know it's uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I know myself. I, I would love more time to be able to uh, to be able to dedicate more to uh, talking about kind of government marketing and things, but it, it's hard to find the time. But um, opportunities like this with you are, are always good, and, and that's again another reason why government marketing uh, you um, being able to get more involved in there kind of helps so, with that. So you have uh, Sarah mm-hmm. as your your protege. Um, and you're going to get together with her what half a dozen times or something like that throughout the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they've they've set up uh, they've set up touch points where we can go in and, and have these conversations and um, dedicated time. But uh, but I think it's really just kind of the catalyst for us to start start the relationship and to be able to have those conversations. And um, uh, I, I'm excited to get going with it. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's key. You know, the I've. Uh, you work remotely, so you'll you'll relate to this. Mm-hmm. I've been home based business for thirty six years. Um, when I have the chance to brain pick with somebody, I'm going to keep them on the phone, or I'm going to keep that coffee going for as long as I can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> when I whenever I am in the office or I'm traveling for work, and I'm I'm meeting with folks, I, I'm the same way. You you kind of need that human interaction sometimes. Well, I, I I need it because you know I. I keep my moleskin, my my notebook handy. I'm jotting down ideas. You know, Ruben, I'll send Alan an article that's in the germination stage, and I'm going, am I going in the right direction? What am I missing? Mm -hmm. And he takes the time to go through and say, you know, I I think your your aim is about four degrees off or you're missing X, Y, and Z components. Yep. Um, You know, I could do the same with Rita. Um, but you know the the those relationships are key, and if you're in marketing in this market, being able to brainstorm even with competitors, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think I think you find that, and uh, and the game conference is a good example. Um, you get together with those folks, and they just want to talk about they just want to talk about their challenges, and it, it really it becomes less about the company you work for. And it becomes more about the community that you're in and the market that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's there just to get better at what they're doing. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter if they're talking to a competitor or not. Yeah. So um, when when you were at Emix, um, and, and maybe at some of these other places too, I've run across a scenario where corporate hires somebody from a non-public sector background as their CMO. And the most egregious one I had was when I was working with a Fortune 75 company and heavy IT, right? Heavy tech. They hire somebody from a friggin' soap company as a CMO. So the education process there is now in reverse. Yes. I mean, and, and that's actually one of the things I really appreciate about where I am now with Open Text is they they look to me and, and again I've I've said before my role my role straddles a number of different uh number of different um roles, but uh they look to me to be able to influence um decisions and uh and narratives throughout the entire company. Mm-hmm. So if my if my CMO um needs an understanding of of uh, something specific to public sector or wants to have a government angle on it, um she'll bring me in to understand it um as opposed to just assuming 
she might know. Um, a good example is uh, FedRAMP. We're going through the, the FedRAMP process now, and I led the uh, the business case charge, and I'm I'm leading the group on bringing us there. And um, whenever There's the a, an, uh, uh, article in the Imix Group blog on that this week, I I've tripped over so many articles on FedRAMP as I've been going, but yeah. Uh, it, in fact, it, I was joking around with uh, with Alan right before we we jumped on the panel that we we're that it, it just came out of a FedRAMP meeting. He's like, "Yeah, I have a white paper for you on that if you want." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure you do." Um, <laughs> the uh, but no, it, it, anytime she needs an update, anytime she needs information um, about who, what, when, where, why, etc., um, I'm the one she calls to bring in um, to have those discussions. Um, so it, it becomes e- even more than just a marketing job, but it's an SME job as well. Where's S- uh, uh, HQ for uh, Open Text? Uh, our headquarters work a uh, Canadian-based company. We're okay. out of Waterloo, just outside of Toronto, mm-hmm. um, and we have a number of offices uh, around Toronto, Ottawa. But uh, we also have, um, and our CEO works out of our uh, our largest office, which is in Silicon Valley area, San Mateo. Oh, gee, I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Dam Tower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Brian right after this. Welcome back, Dam Tower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Brian Chittister, uh, the the principal industry strategist, public sector worldwide for Open Text, and you know that that covers a lot of ground. But um, we're we're talking about marketing in general here, so. Back, I joined LinkedIn February 11, 2004. So I've been on LinkedIn over 16 years now. That seems ridiculous, right? Um, but and, and nobody used it back then. I didn't use it back then. It wasn't until two, 2007 when I read the first edition of David Meerman Scott's New Rules of Marketing and PR that I saw what was happening with all of these, the confluence, all these digital, digital tools. But... David didn't mention LinkedIn once in the book, but I had read Jason Alba's book before that. I'm on LinkedIn, Now What?, which is, number one, a really cool title. (laughs) But he talked about the mechanics of LinkedIn. So I looked at what David was writing. I looked at the LinkedIn platform, and I thought, "This, this, this could and should be real. took a while to come to fruition, but I started playing in in the digital world but it's about the democratization of of information sharing and the seventh edition of new rules is coming out in a couple of months uh but instead of calling it new rules and marketing it should be called the new normal it should be uh i mentioned the panel alan and i was on we're on before and uh the topic was digital marketing um, and one of the first things I said was, it, it, I don't really think of it as digital marketing because we live in a digital world. It's just marketing. Um, so it, it, you really look at it as it has to just be a, it has to be a piece of what you're doing um, pretty much fundamentally now. Um, and I know you mentioned before, there, there's so many digital platforms out there. How do you pick the right one? Um, and how can, you, how can you splice and dice the folks you're trying to reach? Um, and uh, and it, it's added more complexity, obviously, to, to what we do as marketers, but it's also given us uh, so many more tools, so much more access to, to information and people, um, hence GDPR. Uh, <laughs> with great rules come great responsibility. Right. Uh, but uh, but it, it, has been, it has been a great arrow in our quiver to be able to, uh, to reach these folks, and it's just making sure we're reaching with the right stuff. Right. So, you know, the, the argument that I run across – 
frequently is should I use LinkedIn or should I use Facebook? And, you know, my my normal answer is, you know, start with LinkedIn because mm-hmm. I can identify the bodies there. Is is Facebook part of this? Everybody's there. I remember uh, I remember a couple of years ago at the Market Connections uh, event when when one of the one of their guides was released and Facebook came up as one of the top places to be able to reach government um, with digital messaging. And I'm pretty sure I heard an audible gasp in the room Yeah, um, because I don't think anybody thinks to start at Facebook. And um, to me, I, I'm still not, uh, I'm still not a proponent of Facebook um, when it comes to certain, uh, certain business um, digital in- initiatives, but um, I still think you need to have a presence there. Yeah. Um, you, you, I think, uh, honestly, um, especially especially with my time at Monster and understanding human capital management and how much, uh, how granular recruiting can get uh, and employee engagement can get, um, I think that's more of the the play at fa- or with Facebook is really the having the brick and mortar place um, for people to go to learn more about your company. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of reaching them with the messages and the decision makers that, that you really want um, to be actionized, uh, I think LinkedIn's number one. I, I, I agree. And I was probably one of those audible, you know, <laughs> uh, suck, suck my breath. What the hell? Yeah. Um, but um, but there's, there's so many tools out there and, you know, half of them I've never heard of before. So when somebody mentions, um, you know, some something new, I'm going, you know, is the government market's not a fast adopter. Uh, they are rarely an early adopter. So you can adopt but not adapt. So, you know, I was on LinkedIn 2004. I didn't start adapting really until I read those two books in mm-hmm. 07. And by 09, I was training people and companies on leveraging the platform. Um, and I haven't stopped talking about it since. Yeah, you have to remember, though, uh, with with government, um, yes, they tend to be late adopters on technology, but a lot of that it comes from policy. Right. Um, you have folks uh, that are in place now that they, they would jump on. Uh, they would jump on some of the technology out there if they could. Um, and one of the things that that I mentioned to folks is, how would you consume information? Because I know I don't have time off often when in the middle of my workday to look at things, but I look at stuff at night and on the weekends. Um, so when they're outside of work um, and they're on the social platforms that they're generally on, perhaps that's the type of mindset that you also want to make sure you're factoring in when you're when you're trying to reach them. Yeah, um, that was one of the points in the most recent federal media and marketing study mm-hmm. from Mark Connections was, yep. you know, uh, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, what are your information consuming habits. Exactly. And and put put yourself in their shoes. I mean, how would they want not only how would they want to consume the information, but what do you want to read? I know I don't want to sit down and read a 10-page white paper on something that I'm just uh partially interested in. So, um make sure that you're make sure you're having the right content. Like like we mentioned, the right right content with the right person at the right time. Yeah. Yeah, that getting those things together is is never easy and Perhaps being on multiple platforms. Do you use Twitter much? I do. Um, I've for the longest time I used Twitter really just as uh, kind of a breaking news. Uh, act- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really use it in in the way that I really should have. And now 
Um, I, I've tried to have conversations and, and talk about certain content, and it's been it's been helpful that way. Not in the same way that LinkedIn has. Um, I still prefer LinkedIn uh, to Twitter, but uh, but Twitter I would say is my number two um, when it comes to work. Uh, I would say it's my number two. Okay. Yeah, I don't use Twitter for personal stuff. Yeah. At all. Yeah, me either. So, so so the digital digital market the marketing scenario is now largely digital with the exception of events. Yeah. Um, and, and some of those are digital. Yeah, and, and we're we're in a whole new world now. So uh, r- right now, Open Text. I know I mentioned this to you uh, with um, COVID nineteen coronavirus. We've had to cancel some of our events, just like just like other companies like Google and and uh, and others. But um, one of the events we've uh, taken globally or digitally. So uh, our Enterprise World Europe, we're now doing completely digital, um, and I, we've seen a couple of companies that have done this as well. Um, so, uh, this could be a true, and and we've had these conversations, this could be a true testing ground, um, as we get into kind of what the future of work looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's draconian at the moment, but (laughs) this could be a really true testing ground, uh, for not just the market, um, but for companies themselves. Are they ready for, if something like this happened again, um, I mean, we had SARS, uh, what about 15, 16 years ago? Yeah. Um, you have this now. When, it, when something like this happens again, are you prepared then to to push your infrastructure and push your personnel remote for a period of time? And do you have the technology in place to do that? Um, and this is really uh, this is really a good test. But um, digital events, I think, will we'll be able to uh, provide folks with the information that they want, the the type of engagement that they want, based on kind of some of the conversations we're having now and how mm-hmm. we're gonna put this event on and, uh, and I'm excited to see how it, how it goes. Um, I, I mentioned to you too, I was supposed to be in, uh, I was supposed to be in Singapore and Australia in the next couple of weeks at events and all canceled. And one of them we're doing virtually. Uh, so it's it, again, true testing ground, but at least we can still get to the people with the technology we have in place. It'd be different 20 years ago, perhaps. Yeah. And, and this way, you know, uh, no pun intended, but with a lack of travel time for the people you're trying to reach, there is every reason to believe that it's going to be easier for them to attend a virtual event. Correct. It's not. I mean, it's not going to encumber them be, to be gone for a couple of days and travel to uh, wherever they need to travel to and 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 deal with that. So they can do this from their office and and really get pick and choose the information that they want and and not necessarily lose as much time at the office as they might have if if they were there in person. Right. So when when you're Working in the the uh, on behalf of your current company, OpenText, are, are and you're working with a partner. Are are you leveraging uh, live and virtual events as part of your co-marketing activities? Um, we haven't done virtual events as much, and that isn't necessarily because we don't want to. Um, but there hasn't been the traction um, from attendees that that we would want. For us to really truly invest in them, right? Um, events are generalized events, as you think of them, are, are still a, a large part of what we do. Um, we've also gotten into um, sometimes just having representation at events, um, so making sure you're there to be able to have the conversations. But if we don't feel the uh, it, it warrants us having some type of of booth or space booth, sponsor yeah. or whatever, um, we evaluate every event and, mm-hmm. and make the right decision for yeah. that. But we, we try to have a presence everywhere. 
Yeah, LinkedIn supposedly about six months ago reinstituted the events portion, which they took off seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I I really haven't seen much activity there. So I use Gov Events mm-hmm. um, to track what's going on. GovLoop's done. Uh, I know they've they've dabbled in some virtual events as well. Oh yeah. Um, I I haven't attended one in a little while, but um, but I know they've been trying to to get into that space. Um, I've probably done half a dozen webinars already this year for other companies. Um, you know me; I'll speak anywhere. So. Well, and, and that's a good point. I mean, webinars. I don't. I don't really think of webinars per se as virtual events. I think of virtual events as something more comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, perhaps that's one of the reasons why uh, vir- the virtual events themselves haven't really taken off is because you can get the same type of information in a more uh, linear webinar, right? Um, Condensed, and, yeah, yeah, and in less investment time and yeah. um, and more focus. So, I think if you look at webinars, perhaps maybe maybe it's time for me to start thinking of those more as virtual events. Um, you know, our 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 buddy out at uh, uh, well, we'll talk about that next. We're going to take a break. <laughs> you're you're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'll be back to wrap up with Brian right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Brian Chidester of Open Text. Um, looking for Brian on LinkedIn. You mind if people reach out to connect? No, no. Okay. Please do. That that would be good. Um, well, but give them a reason. Don't don't send that silly form letter. That is that is your first rule, I believe, of LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> when yeah. you connect, give them a reason. Yeah. Put it in context. So, and if you're listening to this show, you have context because you're probably interested in the government market. So, um, in in your current position, uh, principal industry strategist, you go around literally the world looking for what's happening in government. So, share some. Sure. Uh, so we we look for patterns, right, uh, to see kind of what's happening um, from a high level. Uh, across government, so we can we can align what we're doing to those patterns. And um, a lot of the people listening to this are, are have heard citizen services before, and I think that's um, that's been beat to death, and it's it's changed in a number of ways. And um, they talked about citizen experience, et cetera. But um, the thing that I, I'm really focused on right now is the future of government work, and. Uh, they've changed into uh, citizen experience, into employee experience. Um, one of the analysts uh, that I've spoken with, and he just likes to say it's it's customer experience and everybody's your customer. So if it's a citizen, uh, if it's your employee, everybody's a customer. But um, what's happening within work, and it's breaking down into three different areas. So you have w- your work, uh, workforce, and workplace. Um, so changing on the work side, how people are doing their jobs, and, and that's the obvious. How's technology supporting that? And we can touch on that in a second. Um, workforce, how are you, uh, how are you recruiting, um, retaining, reskilling, um, and engaging uh, your, your current workforce and preparing for that workforce of the future, your millennials, your Generation Z, and then workplace. Um, so there's a number of, uh, a number of new technologies uh, coming into the workplace, IoT being one of them. Um, with the onset of 5G, edge computing will be a large part of that. Um, so a lot of that is coming into to future of work. And within the U.S. especially, 
um, with with the PMA, you've seen, uh, and everybody's probably heard the narrative, the shift from low value to high value work, um, and, and taking away some of those mundane activities that uh, folks in government um, have been doing, the data entry, the the paper processing, et cetera, and getting them off that that their that plate through technology and automation, so they can be more focused on higher value work, the things they might have gone to college for, or the things they're more passionate about, or, or more skilled to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to me, it's a really it's a really good way um, to to take a look at the market and see um, how technology is is affecting it, and we're seeing this globally, not just within the U.S. Okay. So, uh, but you're talking about government employees there. Yep. Uh, what about industry uh, contractors? Same thing? Oh, definitely same thing. Um, and uh, you guys might have heard something about uh, CMMC. Yeah, uh, just a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> um, so when I, when I look at this, and this is one of the reasons why I've been on um, meetings and calls with uh, some folks within A&D is because a lot of this is affecting them. FedRAMP's a good example. So um, it started off where uh, government needed to take a look at requirements for cybersecurity to ensure their, uh, their data and information and cloud, and cloud data was secure. But now there were no mandates perhaps on the contractors, and now it's, some of that liability is shifting. Um, so how then – it's one of the reasons why we're looking at, at defense contractors as well because they're being asked to essentially do the same thing that – government organizations are doing, mm-hmm. um, almost being mandated to, uh, or else you can't well, do business with them. CMMC is, uh, I think, there's a due date of now the end of this year, Yep, late fall. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, it's, it's future of work to me um, is, uh, it's something that it's not just affecting government, it's affecting every industry. Um, there is someone like me for every major industry that we have uh, at OpenText mm-hmm. um, that, uh that also speaks to future of work. And we're actually, um, it, when we were going to be in Prague in April, which is now digital, uh, we were going to have an entire panel just around future of work because it is so uh, prevalent. It is so pervasive. Okay. So the the, the traveling, so you were going to be on the panel? Uh, I was. I you, was. Are you doing more speaking these days? I am. Um, and it's it's been nice because it allows me to get out and actually talk to some of the customers as well. Um, and that's that's the biggest thing for me is to be able to get out and, and hear from them. Um, so not just one-on-one meetings, but you can go to events and when you're speaking, have those conversations, which has been helpful. Yeah. There's one piece of advice I will I will offer you or one insight. You were talking about the mentoring a, a lot earlier. Every speaking engagement I've probably done, I've always learned something from. Somebody's going to ask a question that's going to push my boundaries or that I can't answer. Uh, and I love those, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable, but I love them because they do push my brown boundaries. They yeah. S- they're going to stretch you. Yeah. You g- give you something to go back home and, and do more research on. Um, I've, I've gotten a fair amount of those and, uh, I try to just be as honest as possible. Say, you know what, I, that's something I'm going to have to look into. Um, because, uh, the last thing you want to do is lose credibility and try to talk yeah, about if, things if, you don't have have credibility if, around. If you blow smoke, you're yeah. toast. Yeah. Um, Plus it gives yeah. you an opportunity to learn more. Um, I, I still remember uh, one of the one of my first days at Imix Group, um, Rita coming up to me saying, do you know what the CDM program is? And uh, can, you, can you write a blog about it within uh, the next couple hours? And I said, I don't, but I will, and I'll get it to you. 
And continuing guys, ex- guys is ex- huge. Exactly. And you're, we're talking at this was in, then. Well, and yeah, and that was in the infancy of the program as it was just getting going. Um, so for me, it's one of those things. It's always always pushing and testing and getting an understanding. And um, that's that's a good example of. I, I remember even before MX Group, I had a boss that uh, going into and, and coming out of college, going into my career, um, I thought of marketing as marketing, and it doesn't matter who you're marketing for. It, you can just you can you do it. It's all all the same. Um, and I remember I had somebody very early on tell me, you need to really, truly understand your market um, if you want to be successful in this. It's not just sending emails. It's not just trying to find leads from here and there. That's that's not marketing. And uh, once I really dug into the industry and I tried to understand it inside and out, that's when I became better at what I do. And And that's a really good example of pushing yourself and making sure you're you're never getting too complacent and comfortable and you're always trying to learn more and more. Really. That uh that's almost where I want you to wrap up because that's that's brilliant. So give me some final thoughts. Um just for me, I I try to be a student of what I'm doing and I am passionate about marketing. I I enjoy it. Um and I try to learn from everyone around me. Um, and, and I take inspiration from everything around me. Um, and that's really helped me. I, I know we were, we were chatting earlier and I told you, um, my wife's food network magazine had an article I was reading and, and in my head, I'm thinking, this is a good way to display content. I, I think I might pull this in and, and do a piece and just have my brain going. And this is the middle of the afternoon on a Saturday. Um, so I'm always from food network, from food network <laughs> magazine. Um, so I I'm, I always take inspiration from uh, from places even if it's unorthodox uh, and I've found that to be really helpful and uh, I try not to be too prideful of where I get information from um, whether whether it's uh, somebody just fresh out of college or whether it's it's somebody like you who's been in the industry for a while um, I I will take information from and and recommendations from pretty much anyone. Yeah. Um, and, and validate it. But uh, but I pride myself in being able to pull that information. I, I would recommend um, others do, too. Yeah, there's there's just so many ways to learn. But if you don't bother to continue learning, yeah, um, you're you're going to reduce your own value. Yeah. So thanks for coming in, man. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Greatly it appreciated. This is not my day job. I do advise companies on pretty much all aspects of marketing to the government. But over the last several years, I've specialized in building that subject matter expert platform for individuals or for the company, uh, tying in the content factor and overlaying all of that on the social selling, the leveraging of LinkedIn. So if you want to talk about that, uh, drop me a line at markamtower at gmail. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.